0: Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Let's Read the Bible, a podcast where we go through the Bible book by book in a way that's deep, but also easy to understand. If you would like to follow along, you can download the YouVersion Bible app and subscribe to the Solid Life whole Bible reading plan. We also have physical reading plans available in the lobby every Sunday. And there's just a few short
1: uh, days before the end of the year, which means all of those questions that you've been waiting to ask us. This is your last chance. So make sure you send those in to us uh, at info at grove.church or you can Facebook message us on our Facebook page, uh, Grove Church, Mary's One in Snohomish in Washington State. Uh, We love to spend time answering those questions. And the last Friday of this month is the last podcast for the year for those questions to be answered. So make sure you send them in.
0: Yeah, it was weird when I I was putting together the doc, I had to type in week 50 for the first time. And I was like, oh, wow, we're coming to the end of the year. We're getting pretty close. Almost over, guys. Three more episodes including this one and then we have one q a left and, and then and then boom we're done for the year then
1: we so. drop the mic walk away
0: and retire no i'm just kidding no nah, the podcast Stay will be back for what's coming next year yeah podcast will be back next year i will say uh we're probably gonna take a little bit of time off so not a ton but you know we've been doing it every week for a while now we'll so. talk about it we'll you'll see more more towards the end of the year on yeah. that uh but let's go ahead and jump into this week's bible talk uh we are in the book of ezra so um Really, it's kind of fitting because we're going through the Old Testament chronologically in this plan. So at the end of the year, um, we get to end on a lot of hope. So if you remember, there was a long time where we're reading through all the prophets and all of the prophets were talking about how Judah is going to be conquered, the people are going to be scattered. Um, It's really been kind of a bummer. Um, But these next few books of the Old Testament really are about God... Restoring his people. So uh, it's been, it's it's kind of like a a light reading, I suppose. Not light in the sense of easy reading, because some of it is a little bit more prose-centered. But yeah, it's... uh... It's more emotionally light, I suppose. Um, but Ezra is a narrative book, uh, so not a lot of poetry in there, which makes it a little bit easier to read. Um, that deals... There are a couple and of... Anyone like you
1: or anyone like me out there, we say praise
0: God. Oh, I am <coughs> i don't care who you are. Give no, me a narrative, Narrative is always easier to read than poetry. I'm getting bogged down. Uh, there's a couple lists of people there, but that's about it. Um, so anyway, uh, it deals with a couple of groups of, uh, of Jews or Israelites who are returning from exile back into uh, the land land of Israel and, and Jerusalem specifically. So what we get is uh Cyrus who is the King of Persia at the time. Uh, basically the Lord works on his heart and um, prompts him to allow uh, the Jews to go back if they want to. If you remember from the Q and a episode, when we were asked to uh, rank the rank, the pagan Kings, if you will, Cyrus was uh, on that kind of the top tier of pagan Kings or as top tier as you can get without actually uh, worshiping the Lord. Uh, and so he allows, uh, massive groups of Jews to return. And so Ezra can kind of be divided into two sections. Uh, the first section is chapters one through six. Um, and this deals with a group of Israelites that comes back um, and ultimately they rebuild the temple. Uh, they come back, the governor of Judah, I didn't write it down. I think it's Zerubbabel though. Is, yep. There you go. Boom. Uh, he is governor of Judea at the time or Judah at the time. Uh, these people begin to come back. They begin to reconstruct uh, the temple and uh, while they're People want people don't want that to happen, so they're met with a lot of backlash from the Gentiles who were living in Israel at the time. Um, and the first six chapters of Ezra kind of just deals with the uh, the struggle of the returning exiles to rebuild the temple. Uh, chapters seven through ten actually deal with another group of turners, and these not turners of returners, a uh, bunch and of turners, a bunch of turners, uh, but they're led by the priest Ezra, who is obviously who the book is named after. Um, this takes place. Uh, A pretty good chunk of time after uh, that first group comes. I didn't write down the exact dates because I wasn't thinking about that. So that's that's my bad. Uh, But there is a significant gap of time between the two. Uh, Ezra and then begins the work of kind of turning the people's hearts back towards the Lord. So the temple is built, um, but these people do what's called adorning the temple. Um, And then really the back half of the book of Ezra is kind of Ezra's ministry uh, to the people of Israel, to the people who had uh, returned. And so that's kind of what it is. There's also a cool uh shift if you pay attention. Um chapters 1 through 6 is obviously this is being recorded. We don't know if this is written by Ezra and he's recording history that has happened or if it was written beforehand and kind of like Ezra just kind of adds on to it. Um but after chapter 7 when we get a little bit in third person kind of telling you about the story of Ezra himself, it actually, the book actually switches to first person. And so you'll see, uh, instead of saying, and thus Ezra did so-and-so it's like, and then I went to, and then I did. It's just, it's just kind of interesting. I always think, um, when books of the Bible do those kind of shifts, mm-hmm. um, it's just a different way of reading. Like acts does the same thing when you actually get to the point where Luke is not recording things that he's heard or interviewed people about, but he's actually recording things that he was there for. And he, yeah, that switches to first person too. So, interesting there. Uh, and kind of, like I said, in the beginning, uh, the book of Ezra is just, it's a book and a series of books that we're going to be talking about throughout the end of the year that shows God faith, God's faithfulness to restore his people.
1: Yeah. Uh, so good. And then we're going to, uh, actually wrap up the book of Daniel this week as well. Uh, And so, uh, it's been a kind of a quick read through the book of Daniel, but, uh, still pretty, uh, pretty incredible book in and of itself. Uh, I think I, well, Daniel's probably one of my favorite minor prophets, um, but uh, I'm just going to quickly highlight chapter five, because this is where uh, up until this point in the book of Daniel, we've been talking uh, about King Nebuchadnezzar, was reigning Babylon, uh, and chapter five signals the start of a new king, uh, and his name's Belshazzar. Uh, and if you remember earlier on in Daniel, uh, Daniel's actually given a Babylonian name called and it's Belteshazzar. Uh, and so that's interesting to see these two names because I remember when I was reading it a while ago that I would confuse who the Bible Bible's actually talking about here. Um, but they both are in reference. In essence, they're names that are uh, in reference to the Babylonian god, Bel, uh, and they're actually male and female. So Daniel's more of like the lady referring to Bel, the, the god Bel, uh, and then Belshazzar is the king of Babylon, re- referring to as the man. Uh, so it's just an in- interesting kind of uh, uh, connection or, or or revelation there. Um, it's the portion that I want to read for us for a few minutes is kind of a crazy, um, crazy experience that the king. Uh, walks into uh he throws a big party uh for all of his lords and officials and higher ups um, and in this you'll see uh daniel was forgotten and the queen uh after this passage that i'm going to read in verses five through nine the queen shows up and says hey don't forget about this man daniel who uh is a prophet and knows all the answers and so um she's the one that initiates daniel being being brought back into the conversation and belshazzar uh and and gauging him in conversation where Daniel uh, then kind of explains to him that the writing on the wall that he's seeing uh, is a message that in essence, the true God who's Jehovah God rules over all um, and in his time is gonna vindicate his own name against those who are defiling it, uh, no matter how powerful they are. And so that's the message Daniel gives him in response to this writing that he sees on the wall. And the writing that we're talking about is this is the portion I wanna highlight because it's just kind of a crazy, um, when I think of, uh, this is gonna sound probably a little more judgmental than I mean it to but like a drunken stupor. I think of like this, the crazy experiences or the crazy visions or the crazy uh, things that people see or, or, or do. Uh, this is kind of what happens. And so uh, it's, this is almost something that would be written in a movie. Uh, and, and so this is verses five through nine it says it's at that moment. This is at in the middle of the party. Um, They're all kind of really intoxicated and and having a great time. And in the middle of this party, it says this, that the fingers of a man's hand uh, appeared and began writing on the plaster of the king's palace wall next to the lampstand. So it's very visible to be seen what's happening because it's right next to the lampstand. It says, as the king watched the hand that was writing, his face turned pale and his thoughts so terrified him that he soiled himself and his knees knocked together. He went to the bathroom. Just period. Like it's just, it's just a crazy kind of he's hanging out, having a great time. And then all of a sudden pale white. Um, And then the King shouted to bring in the mediums, Chaldeans and diviners. Uh, He said to these wise men of Babylon, whoever reads this inscription and gives me its interpretation will be clothed in purple, have a gold chain around his neck and have the third highest position in the kingdom. Uh, so all the king's wise men came in but none could read the inscription or make its interpretation known to him then king belshazzar became even more terrified his face turned pale and his his nobles were, were bewildered um it's just this interesting crazy uh story and i think this is where i i i catch myself enjoying reading the bible uh because it doesn't i mean it's it's not some just fancy, like, Oh, this is such a good book. Like this is a crazy, crazy account of what, what's going on with, with the Babylonian King. And, uh, in this middle of this party, which is all about joy and, uh, well, it's meant to be all about joy and happiness and fun and party, you know, eat, drink and be merry. Uh, all of a sudden there's this like, movie ask moment where he his he sees these this uh, magic I think of the finger from Super Smash Brothers in the original Nintendo 64 for the, those of you know the master hand, the master hand. like I just think of this finger right or these writing things on a wall uh, to the point where he's like so terrified he soils himself. he <laughs> literally goes up and his knees are knocking. He's the king of Babylon and he's in essence
0: becomes like this boyish little kid. Because he sees a crazy experience. In, in fairness, if while we were recording this podcast, all of a sudden a hand showed up on the wall next to us and started writing, I too, uh, might have the same reaction. So it's kind of, it's a creepy thing. It is totally a creepy thing. I don't <laughs> know if I soil myself, but I've also
1: not experienced. So it's just interesting. Um, because then again, Dano's brought back in. This is the last King of Babylon. Um, and i mean if you go back to the to the vision that uh Nebuchadnezzar had with the different kingdoms and the different eras with that the, the i believe it was a statue with the gold the iron you know the, the silver the different different portions of a kingdom uh, you just you just see god kind of again he's the one that will vindicate his name he's the right. one that he is just he is war, like he's going to anybody who defiles his name he's they're going to be defiled themselves so uh by peeing on themselves and pooping. So anyways, it's just an interesting story. As we wrap up the, uh, the book of Daniel, I think it's fun to highlight things like that. So
0: yeah. And to, You're keep, welcome. To, to keep moving forward, I guess in our, uh, uh, the theme really is, you know, God kind of pronouncing judgment on, uh, the kingdoms who had oppressed Israel and then God restoring the people of Israel. And so that brings us to the book of Haggai. Um, and so, Haggai good job pronouncing it. Say what? Good job pronouncing Thank it. Thank you. I had to look it up beforehand. But, I was um, going to let you, I was going to let the cat out of the bag. Oh, uh, it's all good. Um, Haggai's uh, prophetic ministry. It's, it's, it's a short book. Um, it's, he's one of the minor prophets towards the end. I think it goes uh, Hag- Haggai, Zephaniah, Mal- Zechariah, Malachi. I think it was the last three. So, And they all kind of deal with um, more or less kind of the same rough period of time. It's just Zechariah, Malachi. Zephaniah, Haggai, Zachariah, Zachariah, Malachi. Malachi. Yeah. Yeah. So Haggai. I thought you said Zephaniah after Haggai. I said Zephaniah and then I corrected. Oh, got it. You You know, it's really not fair that those two books are close to each other because that's hard to, that's hard to remember between the two. Um, But yeah, Haggai's prophetic ministry kind of takes place uh, during the period when the exiles were beginning to return. So during that first portion of the book of Ezra is really when Haggai is doing his thing. Uh, He returns with that group of Jews that Ezra 1 through 6 talks about um, that is initially allowed by King Cyrus. Um, And then his actual prophecies occur during the reign of Darius. And so Cyrus dies. Um, not long after he allows the Jews to go back. His son reigns for a period of time. I don't remember how long it was. And then after his son dies, uh, Darius is a general, uh, who ends up taking over the kingship of Persia. Um, and basically in Haggai, what it records is God's command to his people to build the temple. Um, it's, it's kind of, it's a really short book. You'll see it's kind of broken up into sections like that. It's God commands the rebuilding of the temple. And then really from there, it's, it's just an encouraging uh, word from God to his people. And so again, uh, we talked about a little bit at the top, but as we've been reading through Isaiah and Jeremiah, and even like Obadiah, Amos, like all of these other, uh, the minor prophets, if you will, they've all been about like, here's the judgment that's coming. Uh, It's kind of been like bummers, I suppose. Um, But Haggai really is not. So Haggai is very much, um, God's commanding his people to do this. He's telling them like, you know, basically come back to me. um, But the message isn't of judgment. The message really is more about um, here's what's coming. And I I kind of think Mm -hmm. of, I wrote this in my notes. um, It kind of feels like an exhale after the punishment of Israel is complete. And so God has punished Israel. They turned away from him for generations. He allowed the Babylonians to come in uh, captured Jerusalem, they've been living in in exile, all these different things. And now is no longer the time for punishment. Now mm-hmm. is no longer the time for, um, for reliving the past sins of Israel, but now is really the time for God um, to bring them back. And it's kind of like, I don't know, like when I was a kid, um, anytime I was punished, like obviously like my dad did most of the punishing in the house. And so like it would be really, he'd be really strict and really hard. And I have to, you know, whatever it is, get spanked, go to my room, whatever it would be. Um, but then afterwards there'd always be like, a period of restoration where, you know, he would like come back in the room, let me know that he loved me and then I could come back out or whatever it was. And so this is kind of like in my head, as I was reading through Haggai, (laughs) that's kind of what I was picturing is that God's kind of calling Israel back from being on timeout, letting them know that he loves them and moving forward. So maybe that's a childish way of looking at it. I don't know, but that's the, uh, that makes sense. Yeah, That's what I had super funny in my head. So that's all I got to say about the book, kind of a short, Short little introduction there. Yeah,
1: well, I mean, again, this is the other thing, too, is that even as you were talking, I was thinking about um, this is where we're going to watch a lot of books start to overlap a little bit more um, because we are coming to the end of the Israelites' exile, the Israelites' Um, punishment, and now it is that restoration kind of conversation. And you're gonna see a lot of conversations, especially as we finish up in the Minor Prophets, some overlapping, Um then, I mean, and, and I, we, I don't know if we've talked about this before, maybe we did when we first talked about Matthew earlier in the year, but then there's that period of silence in, in between the end of the Old Testament and the launch of the New Testament. Right. Um, but you're just gonna see a lot of the overlap in the different, like King Darius. I mean, he's evident, we see him in the Book of Daniel, I believe, as well, towards the end. Um, so there's just some different things that. Uh, we're going to start seeing it as it kind of comes to a close. Yeah,
0: you're going to see and different I'll, of the the pagan kings pop in and pop out in the stories mm-hmm. in different places. Yep.
1: So there's, there's just, again, to remember the chronological reading of the Old Testament, there's that overlap. So um, we're going to be uh, jumping into Hebrews again this week. Uh, obviously, we, this will be the second and final time we're reading through the book of Hebrews. Um, and so I'm just going to highlight chapter 6 for us, uh, verses 1 through 8. Um, it's just an interesting... Um, challenge that we don't know who the author is i'm pretty sure we talked about this already we don't know who the author is um there's some different scholars attribute it to different people uh some is some attribute to paul some attributes to uh i've heard a report or a scholar even mentioned like maybe it's a female writer that's why it's not named i don't know there's just we don't know who it is but what we do know is that um the right the the book itself is part of the canon and it is still a biblical reference uh and it's valid um, and relevant for us today so um but the interesting thing about chapter six here is, is I, I would just say it talks about maturity a little bit uh, it's going to say you we'll read this in a second in chapter in verse one um that that there's movement as a follower of christ that's required and that's maturity if we're not maturing we're not growing if we're not growing uh we're just stagnant and i and the tension i i feel in this passage um is, uh, it, if you're not going to grow, you're actually not a true Christian. I feel like it's, it's kind of this tension I feel like. And so this, there can be some, there is, there is a lot of, um, conversation and discussion about this passage about who it's actually who the author is actually pointing out to are they true christians are they people who associate with christianity and then they they fall away Um, because there there is the tension of that we'll see in just a minute that it it, you it's the the sacrifice of christ is sacred it's not something to be played with Um, and it really requires you and i as listeners even today when we read it this week like we have to make sure that we're um growing and maturing that we're making and taking the right steps In our christian faith um, because if we're stagnant we're playing with the the sacrifice of christ and they even make the statement um that if you if you fall away you're and you try and come back you're re-crucifying christ which isn't biblical um so anyways it says this verses six one through eight or chapter six verses one through eight says therefore let us leave the elementary teaching about christ and go on to maturity not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works faith in god teaching about ritual washings laying on of hands the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment um and we will do this if god permits but he literally is just saying hey these are elementary teachings when we talk about you know repentance from dead works like turn away you we've already moved on like let's move on this is the book of hebrews is a book of maturity the book of hebrews is laying a, a conversation and building on a foundation that already exists and, and these things that he just referenced, their elementary teachings, we wanna move on to maturity and growth. Um, and he says this, for it is impossible to renew to repentance those who are once enlightened, who tasted the heavenly gift, who shared in the Holy Spirit, who tasted God's good word and the powers of the coming age, and who have fallen away. This is because to their own harm, they are re-crucifying the Son of God and holding him up to contempt. It's, it's for the ground, I'll just finish it. And this is for the ground that drinks the rain that often falls on it and that produces vegetation, is useful weight for the ground that drinks the rain that often falls on it and that produces vegetation useful to those for whom it is cultivated receives a blessing from God but if it produces thorns and thistles it is worthless and about to be cursed and at the end will be burned Um, at the end of the day we are responsible for revelation that we receive from the Holy Spirit Uh, and it's our job to stay connected and rooted to Christ. And I want to be careful because I do believe Philippians 2.13 reminds us uh, that as God who both works in us to will and desire to do what pleases him, it's God who produces fruit. It's God who who, who tends the, the the seed, if you will. But it's our job to stay soft and stay connected to Christ and let the Holy Spirit continue to have his work in our lives. Um, and if we we just take this flippantly and lightly, that's the thing I love about this passage is it creates tension and, and a weight that we must bear in regards to the sacrifice of Christ as followers of Christ, it's our job to continue to aim and grow towards maturity and, and growth. Um, and, and so it means you and I today, as we're listening and reading this passage and you're hearing even this, like, what are we going to do with the truth that we've had in Christ? Are we going to continue to let it take shape and chance transform our lives? Or are we just going to kind of dink around with it? If you, if I can say it that way, like, are we just being, you know, half, half hearted and, and, kind of right in defense And I mean, I, I have this image of Revelation where it talks about being lukewarm, being spewed out of the mouth of God, uh, where the, the angel of the Lord says to John, like, I'd rather you be hot or cold. Um, so I just think it's interesting uh, and, a, and a very, very, I, th- I would say heavy challenge to us in the book of Hebrews chapter six to remember that this that this, the sacrifice of Christ is not something to be played with, uh, but it's something to be honored. It's to revere, uh, and, and to, to totally surrender to and grow and have steps of maturity and faith.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, the final book that we're, uh, starting up this week is the book of Zechariah, not Zephaniah. Uh, But Zechariah is kind of an interesting one because again, we've talked, we've been talking about it a lot today. Uh, There's a lot of overlap that's Mm -hmm. happening with the different books. Um, And Zechariah can kind of be divided into two parts. So Zechariah was a priest who returned with that first group. So he was with Haggai uh, when that, that group of, uh, that group of Israelites is coming back to Jerusalem uh, in chapters one through eight you when you read through them what you'll see is there's a lot of really similar themes um, to Haggai it's talking about the importance of building the temple it's talking about God's restoration of Israel kind of the um the re-implementation of the law um you know th- those sort of things but then uh, chapters nine through 14 uh, are very different. And so some people think uh, some scholars would say um, that this is a different author and it's much later and it's kind of combined. Uh, but mostly the consensus is not necessarily that's a different author. It's just that these are both things by Zechariah. One is written much earlier in his life. Um, again, this is right after he returns from exile. Mm-hmm. And then the other one is written basically before his death, like very late in his life. Um, it's tackling um, some different themes. And in chapters nine to, 14, what we get is, um, I guess if you want to think of it this way, chapters one through eight focus on the current redemption and reconciliation of Israel. So God is bringing his people back. They're rebuilding the temple that's happening right here, right now. Chapters nine through 14, uh, focus on the future redemption of Israel. And, uh, I guess to broaden out the future redemption of the entire world. And so we actually get a lot of, um, Messianic prophecies in the latter half of the book of Zechariah. Um, and when I say messianic prophecies, I just mean prophecies about Jesus. Mm-hmm. So we kind of get. Uh, some ideas of who he is. Um, in one of the books I used to study, uh, which I remember now. So it's the essence of the old Testament, a survey. So, cause I always, I use that book a lot and I always forget the name of it. So good work. Yep, that is what it is. We're quoting uh, our sources, people. Boom. We're it was, staying legit. It was my textbook in, uh, in college. So also there's one called the essence of the new Testament, which is equally as good. So I use that one a lot as well. Um, but anyway, getting back to it, uh, it kind of, it, what it does is it lists through all of the messianic prophecies in Zechariah where you can find them and kind of what it tells us. So a couple of the interesting ones, um, that we, a couple of the interesting prophecies that we get in the book of Zechariah are that Jesus is both King and priest, um, which is also a theme of Hebrews. So I think that connects really mm-hmm. well. Um, but the idea is that, um, Jesus is not just, uh, our king, he is also our priest. Or in other words, he is not just um, our leader. He is not just the the person who's above all, but he is also uh, the person who connects us to God. Um, he is the great high priest. Uh, I think it's the language that Hebrews uses. Um, in addition, we get the idea that he's going to ride into Jerusalem on a donkey, which we know happens. Yeah. Uh, we get that he will be betrayed for 30 pieces of silver, which, uh, you know, classic Judas, uh, he will be crucified. And then finally in this one, I think it's really interesting that he will be God himself. And so there's a passage, um, I didn't write down the chapter, but I think it's in chapter 10. Uh, don't quote me on that though. Too late. Um, yep. But there's a passage talking about, you know, how, uh, the good shepherd will come all these different things. And it's kind of prophesying about him. And then at the very end, um, it says, and I will say, uh, I will say to my people, you are my people. And they will say that, uh, I am your, you are my God. And so it's kind of, this is this cool revealing that the mm-hmm. Messiah is not just, um, a person that the, or I should say, not just a human, uh, but the Messiah really is God himself, mm-hmm. which is a pretty revolutionary idea. Um, and I think sometimes we take for granted just because of how, widespread Christianity is, I suppose that how um, revolutionary of an idea that that would be that God would kind of come down sure. and trouble himself like that. So you see it a little bit of mythology, but even then you don't really see it all that much. Cause kind of what happens is they like disguise themselves as humans and like surprise. And then they show their power, whatever it is, but Jesus stays, Jesus stays man. So yeah. it's just one of those things. Um, but yeah, really cool book. Uh, it's a little bit longer uh, than Haggai. Haggai, I think is like, two or three chapters, Zacharias, uh, 14, but really good read. Um, and like I said, you get a cool picture of God restoring Israel at a point in time. And then you get another picture of God's future restoration. Yeah. Uh, not just a visual, but of all people
1: all in one book. How crazy is that? Shazam. Uh, and then obviously we're reading some Psalms. Um, and it's kind of crazy cause I'm almost anticipating the last Psalm that we'll get to highlight before the end of the year. Anyways, do we know what uh, that one is? I don't know yet. So <laughs> now I'm up. curious. I'll have to look it up, but, um, the Psalm I'm going to highlight for us, real quick. I'm not going to read any of it, uh, just because I think it's uh, you're going to spend time reading it, and and it's worth just highlighting this thought. So it's Psalm 135, um, and the beauty of this Psalm is that it calls God's people to praise Him for His majestic power, uh, as many of the Psalms do, uh, and the the power that we see throughout uh, His throughout the Israelite history. Um, and then it's it's interesting because I don't think it's specific to. There's no author that we know of. There's no specific time frame that we know of uh associated with this psalm we just know um it's a psalm that is written uh and it's it's one of the things that i was reading about it says this that each generation that sings this would strengthen their faith in and loyalty to the lord uh, and deepen their gratitude toward him for their privileges um and and then they say this that a side effect should also be an increasing compassion for gentiles uh who suffer from worshiping lifeless idols um and I just think it's a, it's important to um, remember, like the idea that uh, this psalm, as we read it, it's it's it serves the needs of of you and I and all of God's people at all times. There's not an irrelevant moment that this psalm doesn't apply to, because it also allows us to renew our faith and gratitude to the Lord. Uh, and so it's it's one of those psalms that I think. Um, we don't need the history, we don't need the author, we don't need the timeline because it will draw us back to uh, a renewal of faith and gratitude in Christ uh, and God because of what he's done through the work of the Holy Spirit as the Holy Spirit would inspire and lead us today. Uh, and so it's, it's a really good psalm, to, I think, to highlight. I think it's a really good psalm to end this week's podcast on. Uh, and as you read it today, my hope is that you would find that deep uh, sense of gr- gratitude uh, and even a willingness to renew one's faith in the midst of it, so.
0: And on that note, uh, well actually I looked it up while you were talking so it's Psalm 78 will be our final oh, song and it's actually on the last day of the reading plan so that didn't take me long to look up at all good but work there you go. um, but on that note uh, we're going to go ahead and wrap it up for this week's episode of Let's Read the Bible uh, remember we only got two more and then one more Q&A so send in your questions uh, we'd love to answer them uh, and honestly those are, just, those are just really fun episodes I love being able to look up stuff um but just a quick reminder: we are a podcast of the Grove Church, not the only podcast of the Grove Church. You can find all of our other resources on our website at grove.church. And then do us a favor: just leave us a five star review on whatever uh, device you're listening on. It, it just makes helps. Us feel good. Yeah, well, it helps. Yeah, helps us feel good. But it also, makes I us suppose feel good. that's it. That's the only I uh, want. It. And for this Christmas season, that's all I want. It's yeah. all my Christmas list. It's if you would like good. to get us a Christmas gift, I'm just kidding. Five stars, a review. <laughs> on that note, we will see you all next week.